0: Hello and welcome to Radical Simple Living, this is Series 2, Episode 14. I've actually had a couple of goes at recording this uh, episode, but on all those occasions, animals have got in the way. It's either been cats fighting, or puppies whining, or something like that. So I, I, I hope it works well this time. Um... It's the first podcast of 2024 and I know some of you listen to the podcast as they come out every time and others of you listen to them either as reference material you pick out ones you want to listen to and listen to them at various times or you are starting from the beginning but you started a bit late so you haven't caught up yet but so for those of you that are living uh, are listening all all of my listeners are living I hope for those of you that are listening Um, As I put them out, uh, Happy New Year to you. Now, it has been a cold time here in Sweden. Uh, Much of the Nordic world has had a particularly cold spell. I've got this new Siberian Husky puppy, who you will hear occasionally in the background. And she and I have been out at early morning walks, uh, 5 o'clock in the morning and some mornings this week it's been minus 20 celsius and sometimes it's been minus 18 and minus 19 so not incredibly cold but certainly colder than you'd like it and we've had a a good week or so of this and it looks like uh, it's going to warm up a little bit now i certainly hope so it is winter this is sweden i expect it to be cold so don't think i'm complaining because i'm not um I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, I know some parts of the world are warmer than they should be and some are colder. And as always I'm talking to people in the southern hemisphere as well as the northern, so it's uh, I can be pretty sure there's all kinds of weather going on somewhere. Now, um, back in series one I did a podcast about the calendar. And it proved a very popular one actually, lots of listeners, it's higher in numbers than most others. And what I try and do is talk about how a simple calendar works and how we use the year and the seasons and the the celebrations in the year to mark out the year a little bit. And I spoke a little bit about that Etruscan idea. Now, the Etruscans were people that lived in Italy before the Romans. And most Etruscan ideas were stolen by the Romans and and re uh emerged as roman ideas later on ovid the poet got hold of lots of etruscan ideas and wrote them down and so then people thought they were roman ideas but they weren't and one of these is the idea about festivals and festivals can mean christmas easter fourth of july ramadan diwali hanukkah halloween whatever you like midsummer i have to mention as i'm talking here from sweden the big one here whatever those festivals are people use them to mark out the year and to use them as kind of signposts to see how the year is progressing and whether you choose to celebrate these festivals or not nobody celebrates all of them i'm sure although (laughs) if you know otherwise please tell me but you're aware of them lots of people don't celebrate christmas but if you live in a christian part of the world it's very unlikely that you will be unaware that christmas happens you know it does and um like it or not it happens and you can use that and people use words don't they to say oh i'll do that after christmas or i'm looking forward to easter we'll probably look for a new house then or they say i'll buy a new coat uh After Halloween or we'll get Thanksgiving out of the way before I do this that kind of thing So the year is marked out by these festivals and we just had in Sweden That's for Christmas. It's still Christmas in Sweden Because unlike most of the world where Christmas has just 12 days in Sweden It has 20 days and why is it hot twenty day? I don't know. I think the lutherans uh Sweden was very Lutheran. I think about ninety eight percent of the population were Lutherans not so long ago, and the Lutherans decided that twelve day Christmases were for Catholics or something, and what they really wanted was a twenty day Christmas holiday, and so they gave themselves one so it's still Christmas in Sweden, so happy Christmas to anybody in Sweden that's listening. the rest of the world christmas is finished um now uh, there's a space between christmas and easter and the swedes have a word for it and i'll tell you what that word is it's called ox weeks ox weeks and before i describe to you what an ox week is i think we need to have a little bit of a talk about Animal words in English, <coughs> excuse me, animal words in English are often very confusing, aren't they? And I'll tell you why because sometimes we refer to an animal by a sort of neutral name, and then we use other words to describe the two different sexes, and sometimes we use one of those sex names for the animals to talk about the whole species. Example. Um, If we talk about chickens, we say there are chickens and some of them are hens and some of them are cockerels. Easy. If we talk about deer, we'll say, oh, some of them are does and some of them are bucks. Again, easy. If we talk about cats, we'll say some of them are toms and some of them are queens but if we talk about other animals we tend to use one of those names now for many many years humans were referred to as mankind and if you read quotes from books and you use quotes from books from the 17th 18th and 19th century they nearly always refer to men um there will be things like uh, no man is an island from john Donne, for instance now he didn't mean just the males of the species he meant men and women he was using the word man to refer to both sexes and that sometimes causes problems sometimes i posted quotes and it has the word man in it And people have complained, shouldn't that be men and women? And I have to explain, yes, but I'm not going back to the 17th century to alter that quote. You have to read it with a 21st century eye and know that that author meant men and women. And I know sometimes it jars to talk about men all the time. And it would be nice as called human. But, you know, human is almost a sexist term in itself, isn't it? Because it has that man bit in it. So it's not easy to escape the traps of language. Um, it's not easy to get away from it. Some languages are better than others. The word hound is a perfectly good English word. It's, you know, variations on it occur in other um, Germanic languages. But the word hound means an animal the one i'm looking at now who's just falling asleep that's very good news Um, most people in the english-speaking world will say the word dog to mean hound and of course dog literally refers to just the male of the species the female is called a bitch so if you say somebody in english i've just got a new dog they say, oh, is it a boy or a girl? Which is a bit silly, really, because you've just used the dog word, which is a male thing. You say, oh, it's a girl. It's not really a dog at all. They're all hounds. Some of them are dogs and some of them are bitches. I know we've got used to the word hound, uh, the word dog, but, and the word man, but they're not really used properly, although they are used almost universally. It gets even more difficult when we talk about cattle, because the word cattle doesn't refer to any animal at all, does it? It refers to a group of animals. You can, and not really a herd. It's it's it's, it's any group of cows and bulls. People use the word cattle for. So say, oh, there are four cattle in that field, and you know that's quite okay. It means cows and bulls. But there's a perfectly good English word that we could use, which is oxen. And once upon a time, up until the 17th, 18th century, the word oxen was used to describe cattle. So you say, oh, how many oxen have you got? And you'd say five cows and a bull. There we go. It's perfect. But we don't use the word oxen anymore in English. The word is still used in Swedish. I'm going to use it now to describe what an ox week is. Ox weeks. weeks when you just work you just put yourself in a harness and you get on with it much like in the middle ages oxen were put in a harness and had to plow the field and all they would do is go up and down and up and down and up and down to the end of their working day when they'd be taken out the harness and put back in the stable and being a human in these weeks between christmas and easter feels a bit like that it certainly feels like it in the northern hemisphere when you're looking forward to darkness and you're looking forward to cold and bad weather and you just have to get up every day and work sometimes um food is scarce the word hungry gap is used isn't it to to talk about that time of the year when the food that has been harvested had all been used up and what you're left with is a wait until the new crops come through. So, hungry gap is one of those terms. And if you ever listen to Jackson Brown, you'll be aware that his song The Pretender has this song uh, that goes, The lyric, I'll try not to sing. I don't think of this lyric, I do want to sing, but I promise I won't for the sake of safety of, of listeners. It goes, When the evening comes around. I go home and lay my weary body down and when the morning light comes shining in i get up and do it again amen and we all know that feeling don't we of every day is a bit like groundhog day you go we we'll talk about groundhogs in a minute we'll think about um what we've got to do for the day we'll do it we'll go home it seems you get something to eat you do the housework you've got to do you go to bed and then you get up and you do it again jackson brown wrote that song when his first wife died and he found himself a single parent and um that's yeah that's what (laughs) that's what being a parent is all about getting up and doing it again now this in the northern hemisphere as i said this weather thing comes because the weather can be pretty awful between um between christmas and easter it's been cold here but i mean it it can be anything depending on where you live but it can it can be very bad weather indeed i know in the southern hemisphere we're talking about autumn and i, I hope that all of you have a good autumn this year good fall and i hope that uh, your work is done and it's not too bad. Now one of the things about Ox Weeks is we know that we've got to get through them and we know that next year it will be exactly the same. There will be more Ox Weeks to get through. There will be more of these weeks when it feels like you're um, an oxen with a harness around your neck and you're pulling a plough and you can't look left and you can't look right. You just see the end of the line and then you turn around and you come it again and you do it again. It's hard work. Now, it's no surprise that all kinds of terrible statistics are associated with these Ox Weeks, uh, particularly again in the Northern Hemisphere. I apologise for Southern Hemisphere listeners, but your time will come. Um, we know, for instance, that people often become ill in that space of time. There are viral diseases, there's flu and colds and COVID and all sorts of other terrible things. And they're likely to be at their worst in these Ox Weeks. We know that mental health is a problem. We know that more people become depressed in these Ox Weeks. We know that, unfortunately, suicides are at their highest rate in the Northern Hemisphere in the weeks between Christmas and Easter, the Ox Weeks. We know people feel the strain. We know people come to all kinds of of terrible things. We know, for instance, many relationships break up in the Ox Weeks between Christmas and Easter. I must stop to let our little cat out. And there we go. I... uh, Open the door to let the cat out and woke the dog up. If you can hear grumbling in the background, it's 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 the husky pup. So far, this husky pup, who will be four months old next week, this week, later on this week, um, hasn't barked because huskies tend not to bark at all. Most Huskies, Siberian Huskies, never bark in their lives. Some do, but it's quite rare. And she's only howled twice, once for my son and once for me. But this sort of groaning and moaning she does all the time, especially when she's going to sleep. She just mumbles away. It's quite nice, I like it. But if you hear that, that's what's happening in the background here. So we know ox weeks are tough. We know ox weeks are difficult. We know ox weeks all humans have to cope with. So what I thought I'd do... Um, i've got a couple of other things to talk about the end but what i want to talk about is what you can do to help get you through these ox weeks and what you do this year may help you with ox weeks for the rest of your life and eventually you may reach the point where you think oh i have a strategy that i can use in those ox weeks and it's going to be okay and i'm going to make them better one of the things you can do is look at this whole year ahead and be aware That this is only part of the year. It might be the worst part of the year. But it is only part of the year. There's lots of things to look forward to. There's spring. There's summer. There's all the kinds of things that you do in the year. That you enjoy doing. Which are going to be here. If you're a grower there's rewards of harvest coming up. So what you've got to do is look into the far distance. And realise that what you're doing now. Is helping towards achieving those goals in the far distance look at the year ahead try and do some planning try and plan to do things in these dog days which you are dog days i'm thinking about dogs too much ox days dog days are in august of course aren't they um these ox days try and use them for planning the year ahead and what you're going to do and try if there's something that you need to do that is going to be difficult in the rest of the year, do it now. Um, If you're a a gardener or a grower, you can can be planning your garden. You could be thinking about what you're going to grow. You can go to all kinds of lengths to make sure that the failures of last year are remembered and built upon and the successes of last year are capitalised upon. If you had crops that grew well last year, hopefully you can do it again if you had crops that did badly you either have to think that crop is not for me or you've got to come up with some other strategy of course it might not be your fault last year here we had a terrible drought which gave me a very low production year and i'm hoping against hope that i don't get such a thing happening next year so planning for the year ahead is psychologically good for you it helps you put these ox weeks into perspective and helps you use this part of the year constructively it may be a good time of the year to start on a project it may be to build something to make something if you're a dressmaker if you're a carpenter those things are very well done this time of year it may be that you feel that your skills are lacking in some way Either your linguistic skills or your practical skills or any skill at all, really. So you might like to choose this time of the year to build on those skills and develop them and try and get better at doing something. Now, then you could look back at the end of these ox weeks and say they were not very nice, but at least I learned how to do this. That would be good. Um. So projects are good. Above all, you've got to do things. The worst thing you can do, I think, is sit in front of a, a screen and watch a box set every night. Of course, it's winter and you're human and you deserve a break. So yeah, you can do that a lot, but you you don't want that to be the only thing you do. You want to do some other things as well. In Victorian times, it was quite common for people to use a reading list for those. Uh, months between christmas and easter and the reading list would often be books that you think you should have read but haven't um there's the cat that wanted to go out earlier and guess what it wants to come back now your your reading list hasn't got to be an incredibly worthy one you haven't got to put um decline and fall of the roman empire and um, don quixote and the seven pillars of wisdom on your list unless you want to read some of those books, which you may well want to, but you can read some classics, you can read some other things. If, you, if you're if you short of money, um, you can use libraries, you can use the Gutenberg website to download copies of almost every out-of-copyright book in most languages around the world. They're there, and you can get them and read them on your um, tablet or on your laptop or on your phone. You can... Um, Get free audiobooks from LibriVox. Again, they've got to be out of copyright, but a lot of really good books came out of copyright um, on January 1. And they're there, and people read them, and you can listen to them for free. Your library may also let you borrow audiobooks, and that's a wonderful way to keep up. But audiobooks, actual physical books... Have a reading list and work through it. It's amazingly how satisfying it feels to, to work your way through this list. I used to do it as a teenager all the time. I was quite pretentious, actually. And uh, I, I one of the habits that got me into is saying, oh, right, this book's difficult and tricky, and I'm on page 24, and I don't know what's happening, and I don't think I like it very much. But it's on my reading list, and I'm going to carry on, I did... And some of the best books I've ever read in my life started off like that. They started off with not liking the first few chapters and then you get to like them better. It's a bit like when you have a a television series and the first episode you think, oh, God, I don't want to see this, it's nothing. But then you read that it's wonderful and you go back and try again. And again, you've got to give over that hurdle, first of all. The important thing to do is to keep doing it. Keep doing things. Most importantly, you've got to get outside. Now, again, if you live in the north and it's a cold time of year, you may not feel like getting outside. If you work in an office or a factory, do try and get outside in the middle of the day. Try and dress that you can get out, whatever the weather, and you can let that daylight onto your face and into your eyes and as you know behind your forehead there's a pineal gland that appreciates sunlight it gets through to it that does you an incredible amount of good it lets your body know what time of the year it is it lets your hormones adjust that time of year if it's cold and it's winter and you've just got cold your thyroxine levels will go up if you go out in the cold And you get a little bit cold. Yeah, you do. But that's what boosts your thyroxine. Uh, Thyroxine will help you burn off some of those calories and get you fitter. It's also the case that going out and getting fresh air actually helps your immune system. So if everybody's going down with COVID, if everybody's going down with colds and flu, you can't avoid getting them. I wish we could. But you can do things to help your immune system fight them off a lot of that has to do with getting out in sunlight and fresh air above all somebody that goes out every day even for 10 minutes their body knows what time of year it is that may sound silly to you but your biological body the body that has evolved over millions of years that has got nothing to do with working indoors or watching televisions or working in front of a computer screen your real hardcore body will appreciate getting some light getting some fresh air being aware of the changing seasons and that's how to do it if you do these things if you plan ahead if you read if you have projects if you plan your garden if you do things learn new skills you can turn these ox weeks into something useful And then sometime in the summer you'll think, oh, I'd like to do this I haven't got time. I know, I'll do it in the Ox Weeks next year. I'm pushing this term Ox Weeks because it's, it's Sweden's gift to the world, actually, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. Right, keep your eyes on the prize. The year is the year. Husky point of view coming in there. The year is the year and you need to do it. Now, for some people, this winter has been particularly tough. There have been... Well, there's been earthquakes hasn't there in in japan and there's been volcanoes in iceland and and these of course are made more likely by global warming because the weight of ice at the poles north and south helps keep these plates these tectonic plates in position you remember tectonic plates from that lesson when you're at school i'm sure the plates are all there and they're moving a little bit but they're held in position by the weight of the poles as the ice starts to melt in the arctic and antarctic that weight is reduced and that gives the tectonic plates a little bit more leeway to move and when tectonic plates move we get earthquakes and the corresponding tsunamis we get volcanoes these things always happen because that's the the, what you get for living on a planet that has tectonic plates but the evidence is that global warming is going to make them happen more often And as well as those events from global warming, we've also had large numbers of floods and heat waves in some parts of the world. But the flooding, I'm from the UK originally, and I do watch the UK news, and the UK this week has had terrible flooding. And I've seen a couple of interviews, one with a politician that suggested the whole problem could be solved if we build defences against flooding. And I would say to that politician, Go up in a helicopter and look at the extent of this flooding. Look how many fields, how many towns, how many villages are flooded. The flooding area of Britain is vast. And if you think you can stop that flooding by building a barrier, you're you're not going to do it. It's not going to work. We have global warming. We have increased rainfall. We have increased flooding. And if we want to do something about it, we've got to look for something more radical. And sometime somebody has got to suggest building on higher land i used to live in reading in the uk and they built a cinema there in a floodplain um the floodplain of the river lodden now the clue to why not to build in a floodplain is in the word flood isn't it floodplains are there to contain floods which happen periodically probably ox weeks have brought flooding to the lodden valley almost every year since ancient times but somebody decided what we do with this field um, on the floodplain is first we concrete it over and build an enormous car park and then uh, we build a cinema complex in the middle and of course what happened that cinema complex was in the middle of a lake for weeks every year it was a stupid building decision and as long as we are building in floodplains we will get flooding I heard also from Tewkesbury which is a part of the UK which is where two great rivers meet and it's always had a problem with flooding and they had a priest talking from Tewkesbury Abbey and he said oh it's terrible and something really is and lots of people are out of their homes and having to rely on um, community centres to keep dry and the damage is going to be awful and it's a terrible terrible thing I understand that But at the end of the interview, he said, the monks that built this abbey had the sense to build it on high ground. And there we have the answer to this, don't we? That Really, we have got to stop building in floodplains. We've got to get a map out if we're building new buildings and look for the highest place to build them. Because only by doing that can we prevent flooding. And yes, barriers may help somewhere. Um, Beavers being reintroduced into Britain would have a big effect. Um, and those of you who live in parts of the world where there are beavers know that what they do is they slow down water so it's able to soak away into the ground rather than running off and filling city streets but the answer to this is a get a control on what we're doing to heat up the planet but b to look constructively at what we can do and building uh, uh, containing floods isn't going to work i really don't think it is i think it's a, a forlorn idea I understand why politicians say it, but I don't think it's sensible. If you live in a part of the world that has been affected by flooding, or by earthquakes, or by volcanoes, or some other manifestation of the changing planet that we live on, uh, I am thinking of you, and we all are thinking of, of how terrible that must be. And for you to sit down and think about people using their ox weeks to do knitting and carpentry you you will be trying to dry out your homes and trying to rebuild your homes and we've got these environmental problems we've also got wars raging it's a difficult time for everybody and we do have to retain our sense of carrying on and getting things done through all of this which is sometimes difficult thank you for joining me today and i hope to uh meet you again soon. If you like the podcast, please use social media to publicise it a little bit. And if you don't like it, please use social media to tell it, because any publicity is good publicity, and then people might listen and make their own mind up. I'm always happy to hear from you, and I will be back here again in my kitchen uh, with these noisy animals all about me uh, for another Radical Simple Living podcast. Bye for now.